0: Hello and welcome to the PU Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is with Conor McGuire. Conor is an Irish rugby player playing over in England with both Hartbury and Gloucester Rugby. He has recently been playing in the Premiership and the Premiership Cup as well as the Championship. So we talked about all of those things as well as life playing with Hartbury and playing with Gloucester. He previously played over here experience with Connacht, experience with Leinster, and then moved over to the Dragons to play with the Dragons in the Pro 14 and the Champions Cup, which we also talked about. We talked about how he's finding it over in England in being a prop over there in the very attritional championship and premiership. The biggest lessons that he's learned over there. And Connor is also an interesting one because he started off as a hooker before transitioning into loose head prop. So we talked about that. We talked about where Runk- Is at where props are at at the moment in terms of their individual athleticism, and we also talked about the many lessons that he learned over the years from playing against older props with greater experience in both the AIL, in J1 rugby, and in professional rugby. So, this was a really enjoyable one to record with a guy that is just an absolute great guy. I managed to play with him once, superb rugby player as well, and just bring so much energy to the conversation it was really refreshing some great lessons in here for young rugby players and young athletes in general and as always i hope you enjoy it if you do enjoy it please remember to like it share it and send it season two of the pd performance podcast is kindly sponsored by output sports output sports make athlete testing and monitoring simple portable and efficient their single sensor tool enables the measurement of over 160 exercises, spanning agility, speed, power, mobility, reactive strength, and much more. The tech is utilized by the FA, Leinster Rugby, Limerick Curling, and your very own PD Performance, to name but a few, but also gyms, clinics, and schools around the UK and Ireland, and they're now branching out into the States as well. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 5% off with the code PT5, P-E-T-E-Y 5. So get onto Output Sports as soon as you possibly can because I am achieving great things with my sensor that I've been using so far this season. I've had great buy-in with my athletes and I've been using it myself too. And I gotta say, it's a lot of fun. So contact Output Sports with code PT5 to avail of your discount. This podcast is also sponsored by Coach Sam Portland's mentorship program. Sam's mentorship program helps strength and conditioning coaches to navigate the minefield that is the SNC industry at the moment. Sam is big on education and you'll certainly learn a lot about speed, change of direction and general SNC over the course of the program, but there's also a big emphasis placed on personal development as well. Something that's definitely missed in the traditional education system, especially in SC. You'll learn about business, self care, and much, much more. And look, the proof is in the pudding. I entered the program over a year ago as a burnt out coach that was sick of the industry and struggling with confidence. And now I have a podcast and my own private training business. So, I'd highly recommend getting in touch with Sam. And if you are interested, simply contact him over on Instagram or Facebook using the code PERFORMANCE to avail of a discount. You can find him at Coach Sportland if you're looking for him on Instagram or Facebook. And if you want him via email, it's sam at CoachSportland.co.uk. Remember, code PERFORMANCE, and you'll get a nice little discount. Now, onto the podcast. Connor McGuire, welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. We've had a little bit of a yarn there off uh, record, but nothing too untoward for the people that are wondering. We're not absolutely land based, and people were mainly just slagging me. The last time we <laughs> saw each other was probably DCU Library, I'd imagine, or potentially yeah. just after a game. Uh, we managed to get one game in together, so we did. it's a long time. You're doing big things over across the water now, but how is the week going so far? And you've just told me you're off on a Thursday.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Pete, thanks for having me on. Um, looking forward to having the chat with you and stuff. And uh, yeah, no, sorry, this week... We have a big game. I'm playing with Harpy at the minute in the championship. So we have a big game coming up against Richmond, the second leg. We beat them. We'll go into the quarterfinals and we'll probably play Jersey. So just been training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, I'm normally in. Harpy's a bit different because the champ, a lot of the teams are gone semi-pro at the minute. So Harpy, there's a few full-time boys, but a good few of the lads have jobs as well. So what they do is you get in. It's... It's a, it's a tough slog, to be fair. You're in that, uh, I'm up at about half five, quarter to six, in for half six meeting in the mornings. And then we go out seven on the pitch for about an hour and a half. And then you do your hour gym and you head home. So it's, uh, it's a very early day. So it's nice to have a bit of a lie on Thursday, to be fair.
0: Is that common <laughs> to be off on a Thursday? Because a lot of teams
1: uh, allow the lads off on a Wednesday.
0: <laughs> what days yeah, no, are your the, games on?
1: So the champ games are mainly on Saturdays. Uh, we play similar day. AIL, yeah, like we play a half two on a Saturday most games. and um, you get the odd Friday night one, but um, no Harp is one of the definitely the unique places I've been to. Um, even there with Gloucester, they'd always have a Wednesday off. Um, to be honest, most professional setups, yeah, I've been involved in all have Wednesdays off as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a bit different having the, the Thursday off. To be fair.
0: Do you like having a Thursday off as a, a welcome change? Like I know it's a bit different, etc. But like I su- yeah. I suppose you're just going in tomorrow then for a team run, and then you have the game on Saturday. That's
1: that's probably the only good thing about it. At least I know by right by Wednesday I got all the kind of hard stuff done, and then I can just chill. And um, as you know, like a team run is pretty chill as well. We don't well, it's a little bit different. Than Harpy because it's the first place I've ever been where we actually do some live scrums in our team run as well so it's a, probably a bit more than a team run but um, to be honest you're in and out in 40 minutes and it's grand like straight home so uh, definitely a bit different but definitely a bit more chill than after the Wednesday in the week
0: What is the rationale between the live scr- or between or for doing the live scrums on the team run is it because you've missed a day of loading on the Thursday so it's like look it's not going to hinder us too much to get this in today um or is it something to do with the fact in the championship from talking to Ushin Heffernan the squad sizes are quite small uh, as well as the subs if I if I'm correct so you have to be tuned in and ready to go and ready to rock and roll if you're a front row player on the Saturday
1: yeah no so pretty much a Harprey like they're Harbury are kind of known to be much more of a younger club. Like Harbury, are club to get a lot of lonely lads in from Gloucester, Worcester, Bath and um, <sighs> Bristol. So they're kind of the four teams that really load up a load of young lads to Harbury. So sometimes you mightn't get a lot of them lads in until the team run. So we might only have like on a Tuesday and a Wednesday sessions, you might only like be scraping and not even scraping two full packs so you might only do like six on six and be more like technical stuff and then we because we or we might do a lot of scrum machine stuff and then we really only get to do a couple of lives on the friday because that's when we actually get a good few of the lonely lads in so that's more i think the reason why they do it at the odd time we do get full eight on eights on like a wednesday and we have a good crack and stuff but and Harpery are quite good. They have the books competition. Don't know if you heard about it. It's university rugby. It's quite big over here. So they're finished now. But we do at the odd time do a couple of unit sessions against them because obviously they have loads of numbers for us as well. And normally on a Monday we go in and we do live just malls and lineouts against them, which is good. But definitely um mainly I just think it's a small squad thing and just getting the right amount of numbers in. They all seem to show up on a captain's run day, so it's the easiest time to get it in, I think.
0: (laughs) Is it difficult for you as a prop, though, to just turn out the last... Like, on a Friday, you have a second row come in or a hooker come in that hasn't been beside you all week, and then you have to put it
1: together Friday for that Saturday. Is that ever a challenge? It is a little bit, like... At times, definitely, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's a bit frustrating. But I think you learn quite quick to adapt, and I when we kind of do a similar process, the the reason why I think I don't find it too bad is that at least we actually get a couple of setups and get a couple of hits in on the Friday, so it makes me feel a lot more confident actually going into a game, and we haven't been too bad with the hookers, like mainly the. The two hookers we really have all season and Harpery have just been a Harpery all season. So that's probably been, we've built up probably a good relationship in the front row kind of thing. But um, definitely likes of like second rows and stuff. They do seem to change a good bit in back rows. So it's not, it doesn't affect me as much. But um, no, 100% there has been times when you get the odd boy coming in that's a new hooker and I had to try and adapt and yeah it uh, you have to almost learn on the on the job <laughs> you're
0: talking in the bottom of the scrum so yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> speaking new to... chats. yeah no, exactly. that's what I'm saying I'm like get your shoulder up or you know you have to but that's the thing you, you do your first scrum or two you know from probably speaking to like O'Shane, and I think I've just learned that right the first one didn't it didn't go as well, or we did well, or whatever, and then we know right we need to do this, we need to do that. So it is a kind of thing where you're problem solving a little bit on the job. Um, but yeah, that's that's really it to be honest.
0: That is the job, I suppose. But I would imagine that you are quite good at doing that problem solving quite quickly now because it wouldn't be the first time yeah. that you've been thrown into a setup of lads that you don't really know too well and you have to adapt on the fly.
1: No, hundred percent, like. I was, I was only laughing with um, one of the lads last week. I remember I was playing with All Wesley in the AIL and uh, I was playing, it was a freezing cold day. We were playing up in Navin and we got a good win. And I remember literally going home that evening and uh, getting a text from my agent saying that Dragons uh, want to know, can you come over? They've an injury crisis. They need uh, you to play loose head on the weekend against Treviso. I was like, genie from going from playing Navin to getting thrown into a Pro 14 game. And I had to they flew me over on the Wednesday morning. I had to um I had to literally learn line out scrums, like everything so quick and like try my best to build some relationships with like the hookers and the props. And yeah, it was uh it was it was very quick to be fair, but it was fine in the end. So I'm well used to it, definitely.
0: I think Navin might have been a good schooling for the attrition as well. There'll be a few stray elbows and fists going and <laughs> yeah. staying the bottom of rooks there. So it got yeah. you prepared for the Pro 14 fairly quick. Um, I wanted to ask you about that, though. So, like, yeah. when you were going into that experience with the Dragons and going into that game, like, you're obviously limited in what you can learn for a week, in a week. So, like... Oh, yeah. What did you focus on in that game? Did you just pick like two or three things and say, "Look, I'm just going to do these hundred percent and hammer the basics and then let everything else figure itself out like because learning system of play, et cetera, like and getting on the ball might be quite difficult there when like things could be changing on the fly, and you're not used to what the nine and the ten are going to be doing on the field.
1: Uh I think for me, Pete, it was kind of a thing where I knew, like if I'm on the bench you'd be lucky to get anywhere from like 10 to 20 minutes depending obviously how the game went. Now, to be fair, Treviso actually ended up beating the Dragons that day. They put out a very good team, but um, my main focus was, I knew there wouldn't be too much pressure on me because I came in such last minute and people on the squad and the coaches knew like it's very hard for someone to like know how like to know systems and everything when they're only in like two or three days before the match. Do you know what I mean? So, um for me, I just said to myself, to be honest, like just focus on the basics, as you just said there. I said, focus. I, I remember a coach once said to me, you know, be set piece focus as a prop. So I just wanted to mainly focus and get my line out detail right and to scrum well if I got a chance to do a scrum. Um and carry and not look to be the big superhero, just do my job well. It's my first ever time playing at that level. I never played a pro rugby match before that. So uh, and then I got chucked in, I think, for the last, I think it was 17 minutes. My parents were there in Rodney Parade. Um, it was an unreal feeling, to be fair. But I remember first carry I got on the ball, like harried, and I just felt like a little crunch in my ankle. And um, I got a really bad ankle strain. But no, I, I strapped it up and I stayed on I said to myself, "Jenny, I don't know when the next chance I'll get to do something like this. So I'm not coming off after making them come all this way. <laughs> Yeah, well, it
0: sounds like everybody had great patience with you there, and were very kind of accommodating to you coming into the setup, etc. But it had to be pretty nerve wracking for you because, as you said, you're going into your first professional rugby game, and you're still technically on trial at that stage. Am I? 100%. Am I correct in saying that?
1: No, no, you are. And to be honest with you, I think what gave me a lot of confidence was I obviously I trained for a couple of months with Connacht and their first team, and I was kind of like travel reserve for two or three of their pro 14 matches so and then I was injury cover for Leinster for a couple of weeks when they had a few loose heads missing Keen Healy got injured in the Six Nations and that was a great experience to train with them for kind of two months and then um, same again like two games got to be 24th and do the warm-up and although you're not playing it's just getting the experience of being in that kind of professional environment for a couple of weeks and and being with that caliber of players and I think seeing the difference in like detail and what I actually had to do to get to that level so I think from them two experiences to be honest uh, it gave me a lot of confidence when I went to the Dragons because I was in a team like Bloody Leinster and obviously Connacht are doing so well now Andy Friend there so definitely it gave me a lot of confidence to go in and be confident in myself that I could, I could train and play at that level so you you just said there that
0: you're traveling reserve for a couple of teams in a string of months together like
1: yeah how difficult
0: is that like to go as traveling reserve because you equally as you said you're not playing but you have to have the mentality geez I might be playing here
1: that's what I was thinking I was like you know I remember I'll never forget when I was playing it was it was with Connacht I was actually 24th against Leinster in the RDS and uh I remember being in the hotel before the game and the amount of food and everything they had, like and I was absolutely starving. I was like, should I be loading up on this food now if I'm not playing? Or uh, but I just think like you said, you almost just have to get a, a load of food into you and prep like you are playing. So amount of times I've heard lads' stories of um, you know, someone pulling up in a warm-up and then they either end up getting thrown straight in and starting or they're on the bench and they end up coming on early. And you just I wanted to be ready for anything because I never know when I could get a chance. So, no, I I did, to be honest with you, I did prepare if I was playing because I just think you have to, to be honest.
0: Absolutely. And then if you don't get on, what occurs then? Are you out on the pitch afterwards doing the tempo runs that we always see? Are you one of those? Because you're after carb loading before the game. Oh, well,
1: was, uh, to be honest, I'm in the dressing room pizza getting ready to go to the copper. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. Um, yeah, no. They to be fair, they do always make you do like some like there's a mass runs and yeah. stuff like that, and a lot of shuttle stuff. So, oh no, I definitely get out and do some kind of thing, Janie, or the belly be be grown for the then roof. Then you get the pizza <laughs> afterwards. Then I got the pizza afterwards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, like you've touched on there, that you've been in with so many different setups. Do you think you're good now at getting in and connecting with a group almost immediately because you've been forced to do it so many times down for the last three four
1: years? Like. Yeah, like I'd like to think I'm a I'm a people person and I'm quite easy to get along with. Um, uh, or it's just a thing where they get sick of me and they throw me to the next team. I don't know. <laughs> but um, to be fair, I think rugby. I'm only talking for rugby because it's like that and guys when the only sports I've played. But rugby, the the teams always seem to be very welcoming and and they have good like family cultures in them, especially when I was with Connacht, Leinster, and a lot of the Welsh lads at Dragons as well when I was there. Um and um and same again going into Con- uh, Gloucester like a lot of the senior boys would be like Billy trees them lads would be coming straight up to you and chatting to you and just make you feel real welcome and stuff as well when you don't because it is daunting you're going in I'm like feck I know none of these lads who do I talk to I'm looking around trying to like oh there's the props they're probably my best, best So I was just about in. to ask you do you uh, just go straight front row union when you go in oh I think sometimes I kind of do but um. Just whoever I think is acting kind of friendly to me and chat to me, I just be like, right, I'll stick, there. I'll stick with them for a while and and uh, and see what happens. To be honest, but no, I've always been fortunate that they're always good lads, always around in every club I've been, and they've made it quite easy. You always get the few good sociable lads and they're sound, so I never really had a problem with that. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, well, that's good. I was a- I was going to ask you if you had a process around how you connect straight away. Like, do you go? Because I I thought that you'd go straight to the front row union, as I said, like go to the props <laughs> and the hookers, etc. Well, I know but they
1: like, like food and I like food, so it's an easy, it's an easy place to go.
0: <laughs> I won't be able to go up to the front rows because like you're all so feckin' weird, man. <laughs> I know, they are
1: strange lads, aren't they? I always heard that. Everyone always says, it's always the props that are the strangest fellas in the team. I don't know what it is, but definitely, yeah, some of the strangest lads I've met are definitely props
0: they're always sound though they're always sound there's a a, there has to be a touch of madness there to be enjoy going into scrummaging all the time like that I don't know how a prop enjoys playing rugby it's weird like
1: I've met I've met ones that you chat to them and then they're like they're mad into like bloody Warhammer like all these mad games and you're just like, you're like, these are the most random group of lads I've ever met in my life. Like just It's just extremes and loads of different things. It's nuts, to be fair. But yeah, it seems to be always the props that people always think are the strange fests.
0: It makes sense, though, that they're quite extreme, given that the way that they have to play the game is quite extreme as well. Because like, it's just, the commonality Definitely. is it's a group of lads that just love smashing other
1: fests. 100%. And like you, you. I don't think anyone would be the full bag of sweets thrown their head into into scrums full on 24 7 you know like it's a lot as you know as an SSC coach like the amount of like power output and stuff going in to every scrum it's bloody yeah you you your neck is definitely in bits after it but um oh they're definitely they're definitely a rare a rare breed the props to be fair.
0: <laughs> so you just touched on their going into Gloucester and you mentioned your Gloucester debut in the Premiership Cup was it um, a couple oh, I of
1: actually, ago. I actually made it last year in the Premiership. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, so yeah, I played up. against. Um, I got what was it? Oh, I played against Newcastle Falcons. That was my prem cap last year. Got a couple of minutes off the bench at the end, so that was nice. It was in King'sholm, and it was kind of weird because like it's over COVID and there's no fans in the stadium, so you you run on and all you kind of hear is like your own bench kind of screaming for you. You know what I mean? So it is pretty funny to be fair, but nah, it was still like a proud moment, and I was lucky the match was on. Uh, BT and the family Got to watch it at home So it was It was cool to take off That I got the Finally got the Prem cap Under my belt and stuff You know But you were back in then A couple of weeks ago Weren't you? I was back in a couple Yeah Because I'm kind of On like I'm kind of like On a dual reg This season Kind of with Gloucester And with Harpy Like playing both And I won't to be honest, like I won't actually be staying around with Gloucester for next year because of the budget cuts. The budget for the premiership has gone right down. And obviously they're bigger EQP players now. So mm. I'm obviously not English qualified, Jamie, I don't think it's another like four years. It's gonna be a long time, to be honest. So unfortunately for next year, I won't really have an option to get into a Prem squad. But um I definitely have hopefully a couple of options in the in the champ and stuff, and I'm just gonna kinda of weigh everything up and see. But uh oh, Gloucester, yeah, no, it's been a great learning for me there and the setup was unbelievable and, and to still like be knowing you're playing well with Harpreet and then you can be called back in for matches and stuff and get good opportunities like playing Bristol in the Prem Cup was brilliant and it's good for the exposure as well
0: Absolutely and like as I was just about to ask you must be taking some huge lessons from playing in both with Gloucester in the Premiership and the Prem Cup like, um, and playing with the
1: calibre of player that you were just talking about there Oh yeah, no, it's, it was been unbelievable. Like I can't, like every level i played, I've learned something and then going into a premiership environment, I think the biggest thing I couldn't believe, like the size of the packs, you know, the packs and how attritional it is, how physical it is, how big the set piece battle is in the premiership, you know, scrum and mall and um, especially Gloucester, they've arguably the best mall in the premiership now. Um, George Skivington, the head coach, he's, he's unbelievable. Um forwards coach especially and he's got the lads uh, moving that mall very well this year and it's why they're doing so well like in, in all three competitions so um, no it's definitely been unbelievable but I think yeah the biggest learn for me and that level was just how attritional the, the physicality is and the especially set pieces of prop it's just oh it's a different animal to be honest with you
0: And is it a different animal to the championship? Like, is there a big difference in the style of play in both the championship or the premiership? Because we always hear that the championship and the premiership are two of the most physical leagues. And like I would be interested to ask you, what are the major differences that you've been that you've found in altering your playing style between the two?
1: I probably couldn't speak too much for the prem only more speak about it in terms of training because to be fair like I only have the one cap in the Premiership and obviously the cap in the Prem Cup so I haven't got like a lot of minutes at that level to really compare it but if I just use kind of my experience from the bit of game time and obviously all the training sessions I've done I think like I don't think in terms of like physicality and and especially like set piece I wouldn't say there's like a massive difference between the two of them like the champ is a very good league especially for props you know you're going against big scrums like Pirates Donny and um, like Ealing like all these packs that are just big and heavy and you definitely um being with a younger pack like Harper you definitely learn on the job you know it's you're coming against some old props that being there and even being the premiership but in terms of like I'd say almost in the champ there's a lot more malls and scrum because probably the skill base wouldn't be as high as the premiership and um, so I'd say like in terms of like set piece it's probably almost a bit more set piece in the champ, but I would say the premiership is this like it's definitely as physical, if not more physical than the champ. But the thing I'd say the difference is just the technicality. Like lads at the prem level, like from training with themselves, so they're just that technically a bit better. Um, the skill base is just better, and definitely the speed of the game. I'm sure we heard it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Rushin has said it to you like it's definitely just the tempo of the team's play out, it's definitely higher. You know, they'd be kind of the three or four big things I found.
0: That's probably because of the skill level as well, that there's less drop balls, 100%. there's less mistakes, and the ball is just going straight to hand all the time. So then it increases the tempo of play. Um, and if you're increasing the tempo of the play and the physicality, like in terms of the yeah. hits, you're saying the hits are big in the championship, but if the speed of the game is quicker uh, in the prem, then obviously they're going to be hitting higher speeds. So then the collisions might be a tiny bit bigger. um. That would and be I the think as well, anyway.
1: Yeah, and I think as well sometimes lads that aren't as skillful but they could be excellent scrummagers, especially I'm more speaking for like props but even like second rows but they can just be great set piece players like scrum mall but they wouldn't be that skillful they wouldn't be like great particularly ball carriers right like that where you get a lot more in the prem especially front row they seem to be able to do it all like they have to like the sinklers with the good hands and like Genj, like them kind of lads, and they can scrum, you know, and they can maul well. They do their basic jobs very well, but they actually are very good technically like rugby players, not just a big brute scrummager or whatever. You know what I mean? What the probably champ is a bit more known for. But um, no, there's definitely a lot of talent in the champ, and there's definitely lads that I've come up against or I've definitely seen that you'd say if they got the opportunity, they definitely could excel at premiership. 100% 100% And you see every year There's always lads To push, it, push on Into the prime From the champ So it was definitely A good league 100% But you like to
0: do Both as well Like you like to get Around the field as well And get on the ball And you like to scrummage. So definitely. are you enjoying The set piece battle At championship level Because you said It's a set piece game there
1: 100% No it's been brilliant um, I, As you know he, I, I, When we played At unis together I uh, I was a hooker At the time <laughs> So Yeah um, I was very late to make the transition, like I'm what now, I'm almost. 20, I'm 25 in July, so I actually made the transition when I was 22 to become a prop, so it has accelerated quite quick for me, so to be honest, the year of playing in the champ, especially with scrummaging and stuff, I've just learned so much, because I'm getting so much reps against a lot of good props, and it's just been brilliant, so I've been absolutely loving the, the uh, set-piece battle, and I think as well, it was a good year for me to kind of find the right, balance of being big enough and being able to move well because when i went to the dragons i just remember i was just i probably was a bit too big and i probably wasn't moving as well but i felt really strong and like a scrum and stuff but the engine just wasn't there you know so stripping back a couple of kegs when i came to gloucester and leaning up a little bit um, definitely helped me massively do you think
0: you've found that balance now in terms of you found your fighting weight because yeah. it can be a, it can be hard to find you see a lot of props fluctuating in weight like massively including yourself like you were up at 120 were you
1: I was 123 at my heaviest um <sighs> I remember I went when I went to the dragons I was I was playing around there, 121 to 123 and I just you know, that first, I have to be honest, one thing I will say, that first carrier, first collision, you feel very dominant just with the pure mass behind you. Like, I felt so strong and real powerful, but I just I felt like I was lacking a bit on the pace because I was just, like, slow getting back from kicks and stuff and watching, reviewing back games. I was like, Chaney, I need to lean down a little bit and cut a bit of that weight off and probably a bit too heavy at the minute. So um, when I did go to Gloucester and... Good shout out their forward, their front row coach. He was saying to me, like, let's strip down four or five kegs and see how you feel. And I I def- I got down, I played, I actually got as lean and was definitely my best nick. I remember I got down to about 112, 113, um last year when I was at Gloucester and I felt unbelievable. But um and I still felt very strong, very fit, but I probably didn't feel like I had as much of like a bang in the carry and you know because you're losing that bit of mass um so this season I've been kind of playing around the 114 115 and it's definitely kind of a more happy medium for me and I just I'm feeling good around the park and I'm feeling good in the collision so I think I'm hoping that is my happy way to stay here I don't want to ever get over that 120 again
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe afterwards yeah well (laughs) hopefully not
1: well, let's hope I don't do any more 24-man jobs because eating all that food before the game and not playing won't help me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the pizzas afterward could be a problem as well. Yeah, um, they're the biggest problem, I think. But yeah, man, like, it's early days as a prop still, like if you're 25, 100%. you know, like you don't come into your own as a prop until you're hitting in your 30s, really, like, you know, so Definitely. it's a long-out slog, so you're still figuring it out. But do you find now that by reducing that weight and then... Uh, increasing it again slightly do you find that you're maximizing your strengths now at that weight because you probably went up to the 123 or 124 to try and iron out your weaknesses a little bit Um, Mm. and but as you said there you were feeling slow and you're feeling like you weren't getting around the field and you were feeling like your first couple of hits and your first couple of carries were massive but you were probably tiring fast so maybe you were losing a little bit of what would be deemed to be your strengths in the first place from transitioning hooker into prop?
1: Definitely. And, like, one thing I found actually the hardest, it's quite funny talking about it now, but probably one of my best things that, like, coaches would have known for when I was younger, I was always very good over the ball and the breakdown. And then the minute I became a prop, I just, like, I, I almost just lost it when I became that heavy. I just, I go over a ball and I just keep falling over. I just couldn't like keep my balance and stuff. And I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, almost like, because it was just such a massive weight difference from, what was it like after the DACL, it was nine months. I went on in mad bulk and it was like, yeah, it was exactly 20. I went from 103 kg to 123 in like just under a year so. I put on a lot of good weight, got very strong in the gym and stuff, but I obviously um naturally you put on that bit of fat mass as well when you try gain that quick. So I, I definitely I definitely uh, got stuck in. i had no problem eating the bulk diet. Um but yeah, no, the biggest thing what you were saying there about the collisions and stuff. My I think now, let's say when I was one twenty-three, I was hitting let's say 100% is like the strongest I've ever hit in a carry um, in terms of like my power output. But I'd say now, but then I dropped to about probably 60, 70% for the rest of the game almost after the first kind of couple of carries. But now I'm able to maintain that kind of probably 90% for nearly the whole game, 80, 90%. So I'm getting much better repeated efforts, like much better carries over a longer period of time because I'm actually feeling fitter, feeling, you know, that I can be more explosive for longer periods of time and not just under fatigue feel bollocks and just not being able to move yeah absolutely
0: i think you're going back into the business afterwards talking about the percentages but you you made perfect sense to me there so you did um in terms of how you you describe that and like i think that's an issue with a lot of younger players as well isn't it that they think like oh if i want to be a prop I need to be this weight, but not even a prop as well. Lads playing in the centre, lads playing all around yeah. the field, they're very focused on the weight that they're at and they can become hyper-focused on it and then they can neglect the things that actually are their strong points, like you just said, like your your 100%. strength on the turnover and your strength over the ball.
1: No, 100%. And I think my thing was, uh, I was just thinking, if I become as big as I can, I'll be, like, unstoppable. And and not not saying that, like, it doesn't help in terms of, like, getting really strong in the gym and and obviously putting on that weight. It can definitely, like... I definitely would encourage young props to really focus on putting on some good solid mass. Maybe not doing it as quick as I did it. Um, it probably wasn't the healthiest option when you're going through a lot of tubs and mass gain or you're trying to... You're trying to get all the extra calories in. But, um, no, I think... The weight is definitely important, but you learn very quick. It's, like you said, finding a fine balance between being heavy enough but not being too heavy that he can't move. Like, I think I was reading something before about Keane Healy there and was he 127 at a World Cup or something? And I think now as playing weight, he's only about 111, 112. And, but, like, look how explosive he is. It doesn't seem to be affecting the scrummaging. And, and it's that thing of, like, proper, like, you know, being the S C coach and stuff. Like, the... The, the good mass and like him just being pure lean muscle mass, he has a better, like, probably power output and stuff. And he's just fitter. And he said he's like never felt so good playing prop. So, definitely, I'd encourage like put on like some good weight, but just take your time and don't think you have to be 120 plus kilos to make as a prop because you don't. No, there's From been my a big, experience, yeah. You?
0: There's been a significant change as well in the in the attitude to props and the attitude of props as well around their S and their physical size and their physical attributes. And you just touched on Keane Healy there, but like equally Porter as well. Like, I, like I'm he's a heavy lad, but he's a strong lad, but he's lean now because they have to be, to be able to yeah. play the game that the teams are playing. It's not just as simple now for props that you're just going out to scrummage and that's about it. You have to keep up with the tempo play. You have to you have to be first receiver at times. You have to get into Definitely. position to do that. You have to put lads away with passes. You have to beat lads with footwork. So in order to do that, you have to be nearly a hybrid at least, which has got to be kind of useful for you as well, given that you are, Definitely. because you used to be a hooker.
1: 100%. And I think for lads like myself, that probably... Now it probably sounds stupid because I was up to the one twenty three kg, but lads myself that I'm not naturally like that kind of a framed man. As in, I'm probably naturally hundred kilos if I didn't really try and get heavier at them. So my stature is probably more naturally towards like a hooker. Um, but the way the game has gone <clears throat> and evolved, and it's more like athletes actually. Not saying that lads weren't athletes years ago, but mm-hmm. I think it's more of a focus on like athletes actually making it now. Like you said, the likes of like, you can see how athletic the likes of even Porter is and, and Healy, them kind of lads. Um <clears throat> But it's not just like big brutes anymore. Do you know, like these lads, as we said, and especially from uh, training with some of the premiership boys, and I'm just mainly talking about the packs. Um The lads can move, they can step, they can bloody like run over you and they can throw an offload. It's not just this, like I'm here to, million of scrum and I'm gonna walk around the pitch. It's a totally different game. So definitely finding that becoming an explosive athlete, I think, uh, where it probably would have been more dominant than like, I don't know, like soccer gay, like them kind of sports, but lads were leaner and stuff. But it's definitely as you've probably seen with the all blacks and all that the last couple of years, it's massively taken over. It's not as much big boys anymore, unless you're going obviously over to France or something. But like, you, you I'm sure you get what I, I'm trying to say.
0: I do 100%. And, and there is scope for the lads still that are just a scrummager, but you better be a very, very, very good oh, scrummager. You but better be best, world
1: class. I think the best example of that, and listen, there's no doubt about it. Like, there's still teams out there that want big monster packs. Like, you look at the likes of South Africa, but even South Africa, them big boys can play rugby as well. They can carry, they're just pure freaks. Like, do you know? But even if you look at the likes of the French pack there, that big Antonio Villa. Like what's he, I think he's like 140 odd, 150 odd kilos. And, but the chap, he doesn't do a lot else. I don't think around the park, but one thing I'll give it to him, he is a hell of a scrumager. And um, yeah, I'd say you'd have uh, a very interesting day scrumming against him, to be honest. Just just a, that pure mass just coming down on you. Like I tell you, you'd want to have a big L second row and a, a back row behind you pushing yeah, absolutely.
0: But in fairness to him as well, like he does last
1: a significant amount of the game. Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt he doesn't have an engine as well. That's yeah. what I mean, like I'm not saying he's the biggest like football oh, no, player or, or like he wouldn't be as dynamic as like a Healy and stuff but, or even a Furlong, but like one thing I'll give him is for I don't know what how the French are trained their players, but even their big lads can seem to last 50 60 minutes no mm-hmm. bother to them and still like scrum and and maul and perform at that level for that long a time I think even their their second row there the, the Saffa fella that's mm-hmm. playing for them the big huge uh, second row from Montpellier um, he's putting in 70 minute shifts just nailing lads and they were saying on the bio there he's 130 kilos I just I it's, it's just unbelievable how, how they can do it like I sometimes at 60, 70 I'm running around at 115 and I'm blown and then these lads are 15, 20 kilos heavier or even like heavier than that and they're just lasting at that kind of a level so yeah it's very impressive Fair,
0: but like about eight to ten years ago we got to a stage with rugby where it was we want the heaviest pack that we possibly could have and a lot of lads were getting whipped off at half time but as you said now it's changing like that lads are able to last 50 60 minutes and although they're still heavy they might not be as heavy but at the same time they're powerful so yeah. it's not just all about weight it's about weight that you can use and it's about being powerful and a lot of that comes down to how they're training on the field I, I'd say probably more of it comes down to that rather than the s program even though a lot of fellas reckon like from the outside looking in it comes down to what you're doing in the gym but do all you can in the gym to get big, but if you can't move around the field, then you're not going to be able to last the game. So it's the SNC that goes on on the pitch and how the team is training that probably makes the biggest impact on those players being able to last long minutes in those international games, which are even more physical. Which you just alluded to,
1: definitely. And I think as well, a lot of teams are doing. They all they do this kind of motto. I know it was big in Lancer when I was there. It was this like train to play. Um, and it's almost like in a way they almost make training harder than a match, as in it's like no rest, high intensity, like 15 on 15, unstructured play. Like it'd be like they'd say grab tackle, but the boys be throwing in the odd shop tackles as you get all the time. Uh, but like when you're doing that for like 30 40 minutes of a session and you're doing that two or three days a week, that kind of structure against top class players, like it's going to build a hell of an engine on you. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not just, like you said, doing some mass runs, which all this stuff helps, but it's actually playing at like even a bit above a match pace and you're actually doing it in like a proper game of rugby the way you would in a pitch. So you're simulating what you'd actually do on a pitch, mm-hmm. which is probably the best way, I don't know, I'm not an SSE coach, but I'm guessing it's probably up there the best way to actually get rugby fit doing that it kind is. of stuff.
0: Absolutely. Like, the best way to get fit for the game is by playing the game or as close to the game as possible and even if you can play at a higher intensity to the game yeah. then that's going to benefit you too so the most important thing from an s coach's perspective is having a head coach that is receptive to the s coach or the athletic development coach having an input into what's going on at training but equally it's not just being receptive to it it's the better head coaches nowadays as you move forward are the coaches that understand these things. Like if you look at Eddie Jones, he wants all the data. He wants to know exactly what is happening on a match day so that he can simulate in training. So as a strength conditioning coach and advisor, well, as a strength conditioning coach, a performance coach, et cetera, you are more of an advisor to the training rather than structuring it. Uh, you allow the coaches to develop their games and drills you might give them an input on what they need to vary and what they're getting out of it but it's the coaches that understand that that i think are going to do really really well in the next five to ten years because like we're moving to levels of athleticism and as you said not saying they weren't athletic before but it's moving closely to like NFL standard like you know in terms oh, of the power of lads like like the hits in the Six Nations this year were phenomenal like they're absolutely
1: oh, yeah. massive like. oh 100% and that's probably what I think as well I think it's big thing as well it's probably like you know yourself the SNC kind of lads around they're getting a lot of experience uh, in a lot of kind of top performance environments and I know a lot like a few lads like they do emulate a lot of stuff off the nfl and like them like kind of training methods and how they're actually coaching the athletes because they probably are the best athletes in the world like some of them nfl lads are unbelievable And the way they're taking the snc stuff so big now and the amount of like gym work and running mechanics and all the stuff you do now um it's it's having a massive impact on the game like you know yourself you probably know from hearing stories of the lads years ago like i think they only did like a bit of weights and They'd rock up to the match. They wouldn't do much. And you can see the difference in the athlete then to the modern day athlete. It's, it's totally different. Like.
0: Yeah. And not to say that what they were doing back then was bad at all. It was just all they 100%. do at that stage. It's just, it's, it's moving forward now. So you have to kind of move with it. You can't stay in the past. But I was no. laughing there earlier as well, at like because we're talking about how you had to change your body and you had to change um, your physicality and you had to change your strength and everything, and you were in the gym working hard. The last time I saw you wasn't DCU library, it wasn't that much. It was I met you in Black Rock because you were working with Seamus on your Oh, Yes,
1: I was. That's where I did actually see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Seamus um, was
0: obviously pivotal, I'd say, in your transition yeah, from no. poker to prop.
1: Seamus to me Um. oh he was a great man to be fair like I remember when I went to um, when was it I remember when I told him I was making the transition because I was in it was actually a Leinster 20s game they're playing against Wesley in a friendly I was literally just coming back from my ACL I was up watching and I seen Seamus like, come up to me and I was chatting to him and I said look I'm thinking of giving a proper go and stuff because he's seen I got a lot bigger and he was like And he was like, oh, Jenny, lovely. Because you know He just loves the scrums. He he was like, listen, he's like, you get on to me now and I'll give you some tips, whatever. And I'll give you a bit of a hand if you need it. And and I just knew, listen, there's probably no better man in the country to chat scrums than Seamus. He was great with like Leinster 20s and all the way up when I was there and stuff with the lads. So no, I just got on to Seamus and brought me in a few times to Black Rock and he helped me massively just get started with my shape. And he was kind of like looking at a few clips what I was doing. And, And to be fair, then he actually brought me in back into kind of the sub-academy for a bit of training for a while at Leinster. Um, got me back in doing a bit of stuff there with Peter Smith and they let me do a couple of like... They used to have little unit sessions. They just do like three-on-three three kind of prop. um, Three-on-three, three, like let's say like a little scrum school they do once a week there with like the up-and-coming like next props with Leinster. And to be fair, one of the days it went up, it was like, you know, Ronan Keller was there. I'm pretty sure it was Dan Sheen was the other hooker there. Um, you had like myself and Roman who's in Munster now like there's a few like few of them lads like as you know especially them two hookers like they've all pushed on to the big things now so it was just good that Seamus like brought me in I got to do a bit of setup stuff and and then I used what I learned from him into the AIL games and definitely paid off so no I have a lot to thank to Seamus to be fair Seamus me, he was he was brilliant for me to start me off and get me going um and uh yeah, just there's no better man that I think Love's a, a scroll.
0: <laughs> he has all the tips and tricks. I've seen him like he just he knows how to manipulate body weight so well with lads. Like lads that are uh, far bigger than him, like and younger uh, than him. And you're just going up against them, yeah. he just twists you a tiny bit and you're gone. And um, but um, going into that now, like was there anything you look back on and you think, like, geez, I was a bit naive about that?
1: In terms of the training and stuff, yeah. is it or in terms of that transition um, from hooker to prop. In turn I like naive, I probably say definitely the, the naive thing I probably say is I thought it would have been an easier transition, quicker. Now I have eventually transitioned and learned what I had to learn, but I knew it'd be a challenge. But like I didn't realize I probably was naive to think that just once you're strong, you'd be a good prop, which it helps, but I learned very quick that there's even lads that like some boys have scrummed against before, but they just know like little tricks, their arms, they pull you down, they do all things. I'm like, how did he do that? Or do you know what I mean? And I was thinking, I'm going through this fella. And I think I learned very quick that I had to learn the technical stuff, you know, and I had to actually become a good, technically good scrummaging prop and not just a big, strong bruiser. And obviously, if you get in a good position and you're strong, it's going to help massively. But like, it's about, how can I, every time I scrum, get in the best position possible and manipulate the other tie head or stop him doing certain things so that I can get an angle on him, whatever? And that was probably my biggest learning. I just didn't expect it to be that technical after I got into to propping. So that definitely, definitely probably was naive and thinking it was just being strong could be a good prop because I was looking at something like the legs of furlong and heel, these big strong lads thinking, nah, oh, I could do that. But yeah, no, it was a big, uh, it was definitely a big difference when I yeah. got into it myself
0: like you're looking at them and you're thinking they're good scrummagers because they're big and strong but
1: no they're good that's scrummagers probably, and they're big what and I strong I was thinking like even when I was playing hooker like because you're not playing prop I'm just thinking I just get good angle under this hooker here I get under his chest and I just push I should be able to pop him up and that's kind of the way I used to think and it did help but then I didn't realize probably until I became a prop how much work my props were actually like putting in massively to actually help our scrum go forward in terms of getting a really good bind, getting head position, like all these things they're doing that I didn't really know about because I wasn't playing prop. So it was definitely a massive learning curve to know that like the biggest thing in becoming a prop is actually technically becoming good. Um, and it's probably almost more a bit for the, the tie head because he's almost going up against kind of two lads. So I know it takes a bit longer for probably a tie head um, it takes a bit longer probably for like a tie head to, to transition, but it's one of them things when it clicks for you, you get your, you, you get your Eureka moment. Yeah. It just happens for you then.
0: So would that be your advice to a young player thinking of transition and then to get as much exposure as you possibly can?
1: The biggest thing is just play. Like I learned most from actually just getting thrown out there and playing doing as many scrum reps as you can and training and actually chatting to other props. So I've learned loads from like scrumming against like, say like Fraser Balmain up here at Gloucester, like they're starting tie head. He's, He's up there like arguably one of the best tie heads in the premiership but he's very good. He's played years at Leicester Tigers under Dan Cole's arm and everything there and he's taught me a lot in terms of like where he says, like, put your head more here or get your bind a bit more up here. It'll make it much harder for me to manipulate your weight and stuff like that. And little tricks like that. Just get chatting to other, the opposite props. Even Don't be even afraid after a game to chat to the other prop and just be like, eh, and you thought that was good there. and you thought I could do a bit better. I'm not saying I'll give you all the the, the tips because they they want to beat you again. But look, when especially when you're a young lad coming through, the older lads especially are always going to help you out. And, and they should want you to do well too you know you're a young Irish lad so I would just say especially in training get the best place to get feedback is the lad you're up against because he knows he knows how you feel when he's in there with you and just actually get some of the record your set up and your clips but the main thing is get yourself playing some matches Get even I started off I'll never forget my first game of prop I was playing J1's like I was playing J1 rugby it was against uh, Nice J1's game and like I definitely didn't dominate my first scrum when I came straight into it. Like, it took me a few weeks to get hot dang it because it just felt weird. And then I was playing like Lansdowne, J1. So I actually did play a couple of J1s games before I got into even being able to scrum that proper AIL level. Do you know what I mean? Which, as you know, AIL is a very good level now. Um, 1A and 1B. Like, a lot of great lads go there week in, week out to play AIL or play Pro 14. And I just seen playing Navin to surviving against Treviso, I think it uh, it worked all right (laughs) exactly
0: I was gonna ask yeah I was I was thinking like there's probably more value from the way that you're saying it there in playing against older props than there is against playing against props at your own age level now not to say that there's no value of doing that but like you were thrown into the AAL quite young like so do you think like for a Mm. young player going forward your advice would be say Get experience against seasoned vets in the scrum because that's where you're going to learn the most
1: because they've been through it all. Oh, 100 percent. And it's it's mad to think every year, um, every every year how much you learn when you actually get some experience. Like the difference I am say how much more I know even about like this because we're talking scrums, the scrumming now than even a year ago. Do you know and them lads that I've done at the top level for years as a tie head or even a loose head like they've learned things on the way they know it works for them they know what props are trying to do to them a lot more than a young kid would that's just coming through knows the basics and he's just, like almost sometimes just trying to survive and learn on the job or just chase. and that's the thing like sometimes I was thinking like you chase the scrum every time you mill someone but like I didn't know that you had to be very patient, know when the right time is to go. Because if you go, you could put the whole scrum off, and you could actually get milled. And that's probably what someone that's a mature prop would know over a lot, a lot better than a younger lad. He just, he just knows that, as they say, the tricks of the trade that you'll learn a lot more for something like that. And some of the toughest props I've ever went against are, are some lads well in their thirties, like you know, that have just been there and done it. And you are just like after the game, you are just like, these lads know what they're doing you know what I mean so I think um, definitely like if you if you can get a good old, old loose head or tie head you're going against you'll definitely learn a few things after the game
0: and it's interesting to see now like not just with props but with like players in the sub academies like in all the provinces they're getting more exposure to AAL rugby now because the, the definitely coaches are seeing the value in putting these 18, 19, 20 year olds yes. up against just men that have been there and done that Um, And I think they're seeing the value because a lot of these lads are coming through and playing professional rugby now at a younger age because they're able for it because they've had that exposure at an AIL level.
1: And that's another thing I was going to say, like, I think as well nowadays, in a way, age almost doesn't come into it as much because like, of course, age, you know, you've got a lot more games and experience, whatever, but if you're giving these young lads a lot of exposure at a young age, like best example is probably like Andrew Porter now, 25 starting prop for, for Ireland, you know, and 25 is still a puppy for a prop. And like what well, he's able to do at that level now and the experience he's gained of being like a world cup and get called for lines and playing both sides. Like that used, used to be that be someone as good as him would have been probably like in their thirties, but because he's got that much exposure from 18, 19, playing Pro 14, playing 1A, he's just learned all his tricks in the trade. He got thrown in the deep end, just being like, listen, go out there and, and, and swim, you know what I mean? And that's that's what he did, and it's paid off now because he's another good example of a young lad. And another one's Ellis Gange, only like 25, 26, ripping it up there for England. Like, you know, like you see the, a lot of these more like top props coming through so much younger there's another lad there in the prem at the minute Bevan Rod he's just he's a loose head for Sales Sharks and he got his debut there against South Africa and he's scrumming real well against South Africa and they're all talking about him he's only 21 like but the last three years since he was 18-19 he was starting week in week out in the premiership you know and he just got that exposure and he, he probably had a few tough days as well but like now he's up to the level that he can scrum against top props week in week out no problem and like play the likes of like South Africa and you know, So definitely, I think just getting as much experience at the highest level possible you can is, is brilliant for any prop. That's something 100%. I definitely would say to myself.
0: And that was your thought process probably was, I need to go abroad here because I need to either sink or swim and I need to swim more 100%. than I'm thinking. So I need to throw myself 100%. in there and just give it a go. And would that be your advice to any young lads thinking of moving abroad as well? Just jump right into it. Oh yeah. Opportunity.
1: I'd say just give it a go. Like the great thing about Ireland is there's lots of connections with coaches, with other coaches abroad, and like because you always get like all the AIL clubs, they always bring a couple of lads over every year, like in New Zealand, Australia, whatever, over, and vice versa. And I just think what I did was I remember one of my coaches in the club said, I came back from the injury, played a bit of J1, got a bit of AIL, and he was like, I have a coach in Australia. Do you want to go over and play their season there in Perth in their premier grade and just get loads of games of prop? And I was like, Happy days lovely and I just jumped on a plane went for three or four months to played week in week out against good teams good brand of rugby and I was just getting to like as you said learn my trade from playing about 18 to 20 games over there over the course of a couple of months and oh, I was absolutely brilliant like it was it was like an experience I'd never take away and it's definitely helped me with the next level of then being a starter like an AIL team and and then keep trying to push on if you know what I mean so I'd just be like, don't be afraid to take that leap and go to like an Australia or whatever for a couple of months, play a good level of rugby and just keep playing games and experience it in a different country because they just play different styles.
0: Absolutely. And it sounds fairly ideal to go down to Australia, but we're going to move on to quickfire yeah. questions now anyway. Some yeah. great messages in there for from young athletes. But the first question is, what's your proudest achievement to date?
1: Proudest achievement to date would be... I think it has to be when I got my pro debut after that Navin game. <laughs> I'm just laughing because we always laugh at the Navin to Pro 14, but, um, oh no, when, I, when my family, it was actually just before COVID and all my family got to come to Rodney Parade and it was a great atmosphere and for them to actually eventually see the hard work pay off and I actually, even if they, they would have said, even if he never played another game and he got to experience a professional rugby game, uh, yeah, and just seeing my dad and my mom there, especially like, be fair to my dad; he drove me all over the country uh, for trials for everything since I was a young lad. So to see it kind of pay off, and he's probably like that petrol money uh, was worth it. <laughs> coming back, um, it's coming back. Yeah. yeah so um, no, I definitely would say the the debut against Dragons. Was, I think would still be up there. I'm sorry, the Champions Cup would be up there as well. But I think your first professional game is probably always the most special, to be honest.
0: I'd say the people of Navin probably think that playing in Navin is more prestigious than playing in Rocky yeah, Parade. They're probably um,
1: like, we got him ready for that first big game. They're taking all the pride, especially me being a Boyne man. That's my club, you know, Navin and Boyne have a big rivalry. So it was good to get the warm up against the rivals. <laughs> um, next question is,
0: favourite athlete of all time?
1: Janie, that's a good question. I think because I was a back row when I was younger, I used to love David Pocock Um And I used to want to have muscles like him as well. So, uh, Not possible. Yeah, I quickly learned that it's uh, more the genetics comes into that than actually trying to build yourself in the gym. But um, no, from what I remember, himself and probably Jason Robinson, the England fullback, probably my two favorite athletes since I was a kid. So, They're yeah, interesting not, pro- picks. not props, unfortunately. Yeah, very interesting <laughs> picks. But, like, yeah,
0: Pocock is an animal, Robinson, uh, a freak in his own right as well. Like, his speed, which i if direction. I had
1: feet like him, I would have went the long way. <laughs> <laughs> it can still happen.
0: Yeah, we're talking about 100%. being it being the hybrid athlete. So, you're going to stay working on it, even at 115 kilos. Um, 100%. next one is artists you've been listening to a lot
1: recently, Jenny Um, and the Spotify Probably caught me A bit off guard here uh, I always like A bit of Ed Sheeran So I'm just going to say Ed Sheeran Fair, safe. fair. He's,
0: he's You may come home So because he's Playing about 24 shows Here he's Upsetting the whole oh, Munster GAA And Munster rugby that, calendar
1: yeah. um, <laughs>
0: Who's going to play You in the movie then?
1: Shaney has to be a good looking bloke uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> there you go. He'd have to bulk up a good bit, I'd say. He would. Listen, I'll get him on the serious mass. He'd be grand. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you been reading any books lately? Yeah, the one I'm reading, Fulfillment of All Desire, Ralph Martin, very good book. I've been reading that at the minute, so I've been enjoying that.
0: What's that one about? Yeah.
1: It's kind of like, it's a book about kind of the, the Catholic faith, which obviously be very important to me and just about walking in life and and kind of following god and and knowing that there's something bigger than the material world that we live in so that's been a great book i've been enjoying at the minute to be honest
0: and to go off topic from the quick fire questions then because i was going to ask you has do you think that's helped you along the way in that you've had so many setbacks being doors closed to you but there's always been another door open so has that faith been important to keep you going
1: over the Um, years hundred percent. And I've always been a man since a young age. I always trusted in God's plan. And, and that, like you said, if a door closes, another one always opens. Um, and I've been blessed to have a great dad that's been so devout in his faith this whole life as well. Um, and just, I think the biggest learning I found with rugby and with my faith is like, knowing that sport doesn't define you. And I know that's a bit cliche. You hear that getting thrown around a lot and stuff, but it's been so big in my life that, um, like I'm a firm believer that, you know, that God defines me and then that's what I live for, something bigger than just something material that will end one day like rugby. You know, I won't always be getting to eat all my food before the games and, and getting on the pitch. So definitely just yeah, living for that uh bigger perspective in life. Um and knowing that uh you know, material things, the happiness with these things don't last forever, you know. So yeah, that'd be definitely my biggest thing for that. But that's, that's a
0: great perspective to hold as well. Like, And it probably means that you get to enjoy your rugby a little bit more because there's less pressure on it because you know it doesn't define you. So then my 100%. follow-on question from that is, what is the biggest thing that you've learned over the last 12 months of this journey?
1: In terms of being in England or...
0: Just the journey of life, brother. The
1: journey of life, I would just say, like... The biggest thing for me is is just to live in the present, live for the now, enjoy what you're doing right now, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The past is gone. I obviously can't change anything in the past. And for me, it's just about living the here and now, enjoying the moment. And actually like playing with nothing to lose. Because if I know I'm going out playing, thinking, oh, what does that coach think of me, or this coach think of me, you start to lose your enjoyment for it a bit. You know, and like that kind of identity thing, you start to think, oh, he's defining me as a person, or because oh, I didn't play well in that match, I'm just not a good person, whatever. So for me, it's just really living in the moment. And, and a great verse that always gave me strength was, you know, to store up my treasures in heaven, you know, that like, because them treasures will last. And I know the things of this world will all fade away one day. So that's just given me great strength on the journey to keep and journey keep going and yeah not giving up to be honest but just just the biggest thing I've learned this year definitely just live in the present and just focus on what you're doing now and stop thinking so far ahead definitely
0: so then what would you tell your 18 year old self
1: Jane that's a good question Um, I'd say to him I'd probably just say to him yeah like just enjoy the journey to be honest And I know it's a bit the same what I said the last thing you asked me but like you get one crack at the pro rugby. You're only, you know, you only probably have anywhere from if you're lucky a ten to fifteen year career. And like you see the poor the likes of poor Dan Levy there, you know, his career cut short, and these things can happen. And I think you're just like, you know, you're you're blessed with the opportunity to be able to even play a sport. There's many people that can't, you know. And I just think just go out and enjoy it. And whatever happens, happens. But once you did your best. You're like, feck it, I had a good run and I enjoyed it and I met lots of great people and it was a great experience. So that's the thing i would say to my 18-year-old self, enjoy it. And don't be afraid to eat that exercise pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Because you're going to be a prop one day. Yeah, 100 percent Thanks a million. That's been superb. So many lessons for young athletes in there, young rugby players, etc. And everybody in general, I suppose. So thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed it.
1: Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Pete, and all the best with the, the future podcasts.